So I ask, are you here? And if an audience member falls in the forest and there's no one there to listen, does the audience member make a sound? That's kind of like what we're doing here. Are you here? Of course you're here. Unless I'm just talking to myself. But, hey, I listen to all announcements. And after all, I am your announcer. So, I'm going to hope you're here, because if you weren't here, who knows where you are? For that matter, who knows who you are? Well, either way, welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. So, as I said, I am your announcer, and I'm just going to announce today's episode and then go about my day, if that's all right with you. Today we present an interview with Mr. Paul Alexander Nolan. Sometimes your host, Paul Leslie, talks to a person and just thinks from the beginning, well, here we go, this is going to be good. And that's what he said on this one. More about Paul Alexander Nolan in just a moment. But I'd like to invite you to subscribe to Paul Leslie's YouTube channel and the Paul Leslie Hour on Facebook. It really helps us in our work of helping people tell their stories. And speaking of stories, what you're about to listen to is theater actor, singer, guitarist, and recording artist, Paul Alexander Nolan, sitting down with Paul Leslie to talk about Paul Alexander Nolan's career as a thespian. Nolan has appeared in quite a few Broadway and off-Broadway productions as well as film and television. And of interest to many of you, Paul Alexander Nolan was cast as Tully Mars for the Broadway musical Escape to Margaritaville. At the present time, you can see Paul reprise his role as Hugh Dorsey on Broadway in a new production of Parade. Okay, enough announcing. I'm introducing the show. Take over, Pauls. Both of you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a great pleasure to welcome this guy, Mr. Paul Alexander Nolan. He's an actor, a singer, a guitarist. Thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Were you meant for the stage? <laughs> I ask myself that every day. I think it's a habit of mine to look at my choices. And, uh, you know, you get to the age that I'm at. I think my dad went through it. He was a farmer. I was retired now. And uh, he talks about hitting around 40, and I'm approaching it, and wondering whether he should have done something else. And it's funny that I asked myself that question because I've been very, I've been handsomely rewarded for my work and my talent. And, but I still, you know, think to myself often, you know, am I doing the right thing? I, uh, you know, am I spending the time of my precious life doing the right thing? And, uh, of course, how do we really know? But, you know, it was always my gift to sing. And then, you know, found a, that found my way to the stage and, acting 
and eventually, you know, some a little dancing in there too. And I've always loved to tell stories. And so, yeah, I guess I guess that I was meant to be on stage. Some days it's it feels like it feels harder than other days. And then, you know, there's you know, often you you know you're part of something that feels like it's the right place at the right time. In fact, often I feel like it's the right place at the right time. There's a gift in every every uh, kind of story I get to tell. You know, there are uh, there are sacrifices we make by uh, being performing artists and one of them is often we're away from our family and as you get older i think that it you know probably i can speak for most people it becomes more important so to to be there and around them and and watching you know the young people in your family grow up and to be there for your parents while they age and uh so you know i go through all of that and i'm a libra so i'm constantly kind of looking at both sides of things (laughs) That's a long answer to that question. Well, a good answer, I think. What has always been the intention with the art that you create? You know, I think that that has gradually shifted come and come into focus. You know, when I was young, I just liked, I think I just liked the attention, the affirmation when I was a teenager. It was something I was good at. I didn't really know why I was just good at it and I had a few outlets for it. So that affirmation was appealing to me. I enjoyed the community of, you know, artists it felt like the correct community for me. I was also good at sports, particularly hockey. And, uh, you know, though I loved it, I didn't feel like the, the sports community was, uh, this, it was the community for me. And, uh, even being 15, 16 years old, I recognized that, the arts community was so i started with you know probably a thirst for affirmation and and um and it shifted it gradually moved into artistry through my experiences particularly an experience i had at the stratford festival in canada you know i'd been playing really great parts uh, all through my 20s and then I had an opportunity to, you know, and, and, and mostly in companies that were what in the United States would be called regional theater. In Canada, we call it summer stock or uh, I don't even know if there is another word for it, but yeah, you know, out of town stuff. So, you know, and in some quality places. And but a lot of actors aims in Canada was to work uh, either in commercial theater, which kind of waned after several, you know, several major events, SARS being one of them. So there wasn't a lot of commercial work anymore. And uh, then, you know, the other two big places to work would be the Stratford Festival and um, the Shaw Festival for high quality, regular work. And I got an opportunity to go work at the Stratford Festival in 2007 in the ensemble of Oklahoma, uh, understudying uh, Dan Shamroy playing Curly. And uh, I had played that part the year previous at a uh, regional theater uh, called Theater Aquarius in Hamilton. And so I I agreed to do it. And, you know, essentially it changed my focus, starting with that. And then, you know, that turned into six, uh, not straight, but five straight seasons at the Stratford Festival with a year in between my fifth and sixth year at the the place. But it was the first couple years. And then into the third year there, I played Tony in West Side Story and working with Gary Griffin, a Chicago director, 
who's done very well for himself, really kind of changed. It, it, it clicked something in me that brought into focus my, what I need to do to figure out how to, you know, act better, be more specific. And, uh, and that would, that began, you know, a, the, the, the quest that I still am on, which is to figure out what acting is. <laughs> and, um, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to, to Gary for triggering that into Des Mackinac for um, giving me the nourishment to continue that. Cause Des since then, he was the artistic director at the Stratford festival at the time and has, you know, hired me a lot since then, both for Stratford productions and for New York productions to explore that. Des really believed in my talent and put me through the Birmingham conservatory at the Stratford festival, which is essentially a Shakespeare conservatory. And, all of those things combined and working with many different teachers in Canada, David Latham, Kathy McKinnon, uh, many, many teachers, uh, how, and the, the specific lesson that they had for me that I won't bore you with the details, but they, you know, they seemed like small lessons, but they turned into what is the basis for how I generally approach working. And now I would say that what appeals to me most, and then this this is just what for now, but what appeals to me most in um, and fascinates me and keeps me really interested in playing characters is transformation, you know, and that's a that's a that's a wide net to cast, but I, you know, but uh, anywhere from people that transform into worse people or people that transform into better people, I, I don't know. I think acting is a wonderful way to explore our own humanity and uh i i've certainly gotten a lot out of out of it because of that we're talking with paul alexander nolan something that you just said you said you haven't gotten you were you were saying i haven't really quite defined what acting is but i'm getting closer mm-hmm. so so if you could so far what would you say your definition of acting is <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I let me try, but I, I, it, it really is an honest. Um, it is really an honest uh, question that I have because I, you know, from a technical standpoint, you know, you you are, you are, you have, um, you your character wants something, and you do things in order to get that and achieve that, and you win and you lose based on how the writing goes, but it's not just that. If it was just that, then computers could act, you know, um, we just set them to, you know, we we set up some complex sort of system that they, you know, they, 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 uh, they taught a computer how to play chess and beat the best in the world. So they could set up a computer to act, but acting is, is more than that. And that's really the bit that interests me most is being, able to access, you know, not, not only the, 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 the shallow levels of what acting is, but get into the sublime. And, um, that's, uh, an abstract idea and something I can't really put words to, you know, I, I, when I see, when I see certain actors do it, I say, that's it. I don't get to say whether I've done it. I I'm inside of my, my work and that's not my job, but, uh, when I see it done, I think that is, that's, that's what it is. This is why I do this. But, um, 
how that's done is uh, is often the perfect storm uh, of writing, directing, acting, music, and you know, it's a very difficult thing, particularly in musical theater, to create good theater. There are so many moving parts that one thing affects the other, and if one bit isn't quite right, it disrupts the it just disrupts the whole. So it's a very hard thing to do to create musical theater, but when it's right, it can be it can just be it can be an, an amazing event. What is it like to be on the stage? What is it like? God, these uh, I haven't I you know funny you don't even think about it. It can be terrifying if you don't quite believe in what you're doing or if you're not ready to be in front of people, it's, it can be revealing at its, at its best. I think it's revealing and you uh, are using your heart and humanity to serve the story. It can be thrilling. And it, it, it really depends on what uh, it depends on also what you're doing. You know, if you're doing a symphony concert or a album release party it's different than when you're living inside of a, a specific character telling an author's or a, you know, a playwright's story. And that's slightly different than uh, if you're just, uh, I just did a symphony concert in my hometown in Canada. And, you know, there was, that wasn't, I wasn't there with a persona. I was just myself coming home to seeing a bunch of, uh, James Bond symphonic music pieces. And, uh, so that was, you know, that was a little bit terrifying because it was, you know, there was no script for me to, to prepare. It was just me in front of my hometown. And even with all that love and support, you kind of, <laughs> you think, you know, am I, I, how do I get this right? How, what do I say to these guys? And uh, I don't know, if you speak from the heart, it generally comes out. But being on stage is, uh, it's a privilege. And uh, sometimes you don't want to be on stage. Sometimes you want to hide, but you have no choice because that's what you do. So you figure out how to, how to be there. The big news in the world of Paul Alexander Nolan is that you've been cast as Tully in the Broadway-bound musical Escape to Margaritaville. Great title <laughs> for, for a musical. <laughs> so... Tell us, what, what is Escape to Margaritaville about? Well, first of all, the title, until I understood the world of Jimmy Buffett, I didn't fully understand how perfect the title really was. You know, Jimmy has, for decades, been a songwriter and then eventually an author and essentially the creator of a, in a way, a whole different a way of life. And, and he has many, many followers that really subscribe to his way of life and that, you know, that way of uh, working to live, not living to work. And, um, you know, Escape to Margaritaville is, is essentially about a small island, unnamed island in the Caribbean, that uh, my character Tully is a bar singer at. He meets someone who challenges him and who he challenges in return. Uh, so that's where the, uh, the transformation comes into play because uh, the characters, you know, go through a, uh, a uh, learning process together. But 
it's not a, uh, a, a, a heavy handed musical. It's something that's meant to have people come in, escape their lives and enjoy the world of Jimmy Buffett. It's not about Jimmy Buffett, but it is infused completely by his ideas and his, his, uh, sense of fun. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's wonderfully silly and has some, you know, a bunch of his wonderful music, you know, some of it, uh, slightly reimagined by Chris Yonke, our musical director and arranger. You know, I think it's going to, it's, it's going to be some, something that Buffett fans are going to absolutely lose their minds for, but also hopefully something that people that aren't familiar with Jimmy's music come in and, and escape their lives, which is, you know, it, it, which is a valid, uh, reason to go to the theater. We do it all the time watching television. You know, we, essentially, we most people are watching TV to kind of take a break from their lives. And uh, and so I think this is a, a, a musical that celebrates living and enjoying life. So that's probably good for me because I could take I could take things pretty seriously. So it's uh, it's it's fun to be part of something that I'm not uh, clouded by grief and tragedy. Because I do a lot of those parts. <laughs> it's fun to play a guy who's uh, who's uh, essentially living life to the fullest. In the character that you play, Tully, do you see any of yourself in him? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a if it's a uh, a result of having to find something of yourself in the characters you play. Certainly, I'm not murderous, but I could still play Iago. Or if it's just that that we all have massive potential to be anything. And so when you are working as an actor, you find that potential to do the things that you do. With Tully, I would say the things that are... I would say that I both am very much like him and not like him at all. In that, uh, you know, Tully doesn't... He doesn't take life seriously. He's uh, he's happy in his life. He lives in paradise. He does what he loves to do. The only thing that perhaps he lacks is a sense of courage to try to reach people on a bigger level. But I don't I don't know how much it's even occurred to him until he meets this woman who who uh, you know basically challenges him to do so. Whereas myself, I'm pretty ambitious and competitive with myself, and 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 want to um do as as well as I can do. And so I can I can lack the sense of relaxedness that Tully has, but I also have that in me too, you know. Um <laughs> I can go to extremes. <laughs> as proven by my vacation in the winter this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, the vacation that you had was it was it a, a good time? It was. It was. It was <laughs> a, a six weeks of of uh doing very little productively. <laughs> Well, I'm very curious about what songs are going to be in this musical. It was a couple of, a few weeks ago, the team involved, some of the team involved in this musical, Escape to Margaritaville, they contacted me because they were having trouble locating one of Jimmy's co-writers. So if you could speak a little bit about some of the songs that grabbed you. Hmm. Well, you may, I, I don't think I mentioned it. I play guitar on most of the on most of the show, and so uh, a bit of my love for the music is connected to what I'm enjoying playing. 
The one that I really didn't know was Tin Cup Chalice. Such a pretty song. And uh, really, you know, uh, can well you up. It's beautiful. Son of a Sailor, really fun to play. We're doing kind of a slightly paired back version of it. Jimmy kind of plays that song with energy now. But I think we're going closer to where it you, you know, was when he first recorded it. You know, there's a song in it called Three Chords that uh, is new. And it's very energetic and fun to play. It's a little more like a rock and roll song. So there's a great variety of stuff. What I like about singing Jimmy's stuff is it's uh, it's kind of it's better the less in a way the less you really put out. It's it, it's it's really about finding the, the right groove and uh, not over not over singing. So you know I do do I, I do do several songs where. You're going to hear me sing some high rock vocals, but uh, some of it's nice and relaxed and like uh, sitting around a campfire, which is a nice change. <laughs> Tell us about meeting Jimmy Buffett. What did you think? Well, I have to admit that I didn't have a, a real relationship with his music, or at least I didn't think I had until I was asked to, to play the part. And started looking at it and thinking, oh God, I know that song. No, that song. No, that. Who knew that it was all Jimmy Buffett? And then you kind of then start reading about Margaritaville and his radio stations and the, the restaurants and, and realizing that this guy is like, you know, he's a big deal. <laughs> uh, you know, you do sense through all of his, all the media about him and, and how he is with an audience that he, you're pretty much seeing the guy when you see him in the media, it's not a, it's not a performance. It's that's who he is. And so, uh, you know, I met him in the Florida Keys uh, a couple months ago, maybe six weeks ago. I went down to Isla Mirada to, uh, play in a bar there with him. It was, uh, kind of a surprise, surprise appearance by him in a very small bar called the green turtle. And the green turtle, of course, used to, it has some history. It, it's been since, uh, you know, taken care of. You can hear in the background right now a, a military jet flying by Solap, San Diego. Sorry. So, you know, he uh, he met us there and we practiced one night at the bar for the next night and the bar was packed and up close, I just got to sit there and, and watch how he he uh, how he uh, puts forth his music. Um, and then, of course, I got up and played with him a bit. And uh, it, was, uh, it was fun. He really is what he says he is. He, you can take him at face value, and he's a genuine, genuine person. So, you know, he's been pretty busy while we've been rehearsing here, so we haven't seen much of him, but uh, he'll be here soon, I think, given, uh, given his, his opinion, <laughs> hopefully. I guess you're glad you learned to play guitar. Well, yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought? I, you know, I really picked up the guitar for the first time when I saw the movie once, uh, that indie Irish movie that eventually, of course, became the Broadway musical. That's why I really started playing it. Now, I was terrible for years. I, I didn't have lessons and I didn't really take it that seriously. I didn't know how to practice. I just kind of learned you know, C, F, G, A, and E, and hacked my way through it. Of course, you do get a bit better. Uh, at first, I couldn't even sing and play at the same time. It's, it's it's a very strange coordination, you know, uh, right brain, left 
brain thing that you have to figure out how to do. But as I played it more, I did get better at doing that. And then years later, having progressed very little uh, with my skill, I was asked to audition for Once on Broadway. I knew that the songs were achievable for me. They weren't too difficult for me to master. But I also knew that as soon as you put me in a room playing my guitar in front of people, (laughs) my hands turned to all thumbs. Because, it, you know, you add the aspect of, uh, of nervousness and it can really change how you behave. And playing a guitar is no exception. In fact, it was worse for me because when I'm nervous in an audition as a singer, it doesn't show up. I know how technically to, to get through that. But with a guitar, my self-consciousness was terrifying. So I went in and did one audition and luckily it was months before they needed to see me again. And luckily I played well enough, I guess, that they saw me again. Now, I, I think my advantage was that I was I was the right actor for it, meaning I was the right age, I looked right, and I sang, I could sing the style. But it was really that audition process for once, which was over the span of six months, that I improved greatly at guitar, because I just took those songs I had to play and I drilled them particularly from the first and second to the second audition, which there was a month in between. I auditioned in Toronto and then a month later was invited down to New York. And then, um, you know, it was about five months later that they were replacing uh, Guy, the name of the part is Guy, on in the Broadway production. And it just was meant to be. I, I worked hard at the songs. I was by no means a clean excellent guitar player even in that final audition but i think they'd seen enough improvement that they knew i could do it and i was really fortunate to be asked to do that show it was i i call it a perfect show i i think to me out of uh, anything i've ever seen and anything i've ever done it was it was perfect on all levels and so it was a privilege to do it and of course i got a lot better at playing in front of an audience doing that show and so all of those experiences really are the are the probably the biggest reason I'm doing Escape to Margaritaville because my confidence on on guitar is it, it, you know it's uh, you could, you wouldn't recognize it from before and so thank thank God and I love it I one way when I finished once I thought how am I ever going to be in a show again that I don't play on it was it's such an amazing experience this one's a little different than once though in that character in once every time he played his guitar was actually the character was playing one of his songs he wasn't acting with uh you know with the song he was performing it at a bar or on the street or recording it in a recording studio whereas uh my character in this sometimes i'm performing it on a stage for for the audience and sometimes i'm using the song to you know illustrate part a piece of my life for my the girl playing opposite me her character name is rachel and it's played by um, an actress named allison luff you know so acting while playing is a very different thing than just playing music you know i can sit around and, and execute these songs easily but then when i gotta look up and tell a story to allison luff <laughs> that's that's harder 
you, you know, again, it's like, it's kind of like coordinating playing and singing at the same time. So now I've got to play and sing at the same time and also act with someone. And uh, that's, uh, uh, it's strangely challenging. So I'm working hard at that right now. It doesn't seem strangely challenging at all. It seems very challenging. <laughs> do you have any rituals before you're about to go out and do a show? Not generally, no. Not generally. Sometimes specific to a show, I, I will need to repeat particular warm-ups, vocally or physically. I try to remind myself of the privilege it is to be at the theater, to be doing the work in various ways, you know, expressing my gratitude silently. But, uh, you know, it depends on the character. You know, Jesus required very different, uh, a very different approach than, than Cousin Kevin or Tully Mars. So it really is show-specific, character-specific, and what my function is in the story. Are you in competition with other people? I don't see I don't see it that way. No, of course I am. I mean, of course the you know we're put to we're put to test every time we go into an audition. You know the scrutiny of New York City is 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 like no other place in the world when it comes to stage acting and the amount of artists and the amount of talent. But I I don't I don't know I I don't know if this is the privilege of having done well, I, I don't know, but I, uh, I don't see it that way. I, I, I kind of go to an audition and the only, the only person I'm competing with is myself and my focus on, on what an audition is, has definitely shifted for the best and to the, for the healthiest in the last, I, I would say four, four years or so in that I'd see it as a work session and my you know, my chance to go in and do what I prepared. And because to go in and try to get the job, it rarely gets you the job because it actually isn't the correct intention. The correct intention is to know who you are as an artist and what you wish to accomplish and express in the room and to just try something. Because of course there's no right answer. If there were a right answer, there'd only be one person who can play Hamlet. But of course, there are thousands and thousands of people who have and will play Hamlet. So, yeah, I don't see it as a competition, really. I see it as a an opportunity to be an artist in an audition. It doesn't always give me the job. Some people, you know, I know for a fact that very specific directors thought I was, t I took too much time or was a bit wishy-washy or uh, I, I don't know what the right word is, but they're used to a certain pace, I think in the rooms in New York city. And I, I kind of refuse to do that because it, it weakens my artistry. It takes away from the power that I have to express what I need to express, which is, of course, what I think everyone is actually looking for. And if they're not looking for me to to be an expressive artist, then, then I don't really want to be in that room rehearsing a show with them anyway. So not everyone's going to buy what you're selling. And that's just part of, <laughs> part of what we do. We face that kind of rejection. There are lots of ways that I'm sure you've been complimented. 
your acting, your singing, your presence. What is the biggest compliment you have received? The biggest compliment I've ever received is from my mother. And she said, I think she wrote it, in fact, in a letter to me. And she said, she's proud of everything I've done. But she's most proud that I'm a good person. Wow. And a kind, a kind young man, I think is how she put it. That's great. Looking at all the places that this show escaped to Margaritaville that you're going to be in, it's going to be a lot of places on the West Coast, in New Orleans, in Texas, Chicago. What does it feel like for you when a show is over? When it's completely over, when it's closed for good? Yeah, or or when or when you go on and do the next show. When it's time to like okay, this is the mm-hmm. last performance. Gosh, it, it that also depends. It depends if you're ready to move away from it. Strangely, I haven't felt broken-hearted about a show closing in my professional career except for Bright Star which was a show that I did on Broadway last year, Port Theater. For a few reasons, I think it just felt premature. You know, I wasn't ready to stop telling that story. I felt we had a really wonderful piece of theater. And uh, through the, you know, the competition of New York, we got a little bit, it took a while for us to get discovered. The theater community knew how good we were. And we were... um, you know, highly regarded amongst our peers, but it's more than that in New York City. You've got a the advertising has to be just right, the competition has to be just right, and of course, last year we had Hamilton to to really be you know front and center in in everybody's brains. Anyway, you know, once which which was a perfect show that I that I, that I was ta- talking about, I did it for four hundred and nine performances or something like that. Now. If you asked me to do any show for the rest of my life, I had to, you know, was in purgatory doing that show. I did be once. No question. So it's odd that I wasn't more saddened by a closing. But but a lot of the times I think it's, it's, it's just, it ends up being the right time. Either you expected it to close because it was a, sh- a closed-end run or, you know, it, it, is, it was just time. It was time to move on. So the the biggest the, the hardest part I think sometimes is changing your community, losing all the all the people that you're you're working with and uh, the time with them. You know that's hard. That transition gets I don't I don't know if it gets any easier. The change, the constant change, because you know I think it's a very healthy thing to have your life you know uprooted from time to time. It wakes you up over and over again. But at the same time, it's just, it can be highly stressful. You want some some concrete ground to walk on, and uh, you know, so you have to find your ways to have those touchstones. Whether it's your apartment, you know, that you own, or whether it's you know the gym that you go to. I don't know. That's just something that is something that you constantly got to figure out. So, but strangely, uh, yeah, I I, I have a, I haven't ever. Since I was a child acting in theater, where I was devastated when shows closed, I haven't experienced the same kind of tragic loss at the closing of a show. 
I would just kind of, as we wrap up here, I kind of want to give you the stage, so to speak. For anyone who's listening in, what would you say to them? Gosh, I mean, it depends on depends on what they uh, <laughs> depends on what they want to know. I get asked by young artists, people that want to perform, want to be actors, want to be singers. Often, you know, if I what advice I have for them, and it's a big that's a big question and a big responsibility to be asked that question. But I think that usually I come back to the same answer, which for me is is uh, first of all out of all of the performing art artists toolkit, whether, you know, dancing, singing, acting, playing guitar, whatever it is, I think acting is the root of it. I think it's the root of storytelling. You know, and then there, there are techniques to acting that help you storytell. But whether you're, you know, when it comes to singing, which I've always, you know, been gifted at and did well without really putting in a tremendous amount of effort. There is only acting the acting portion of this, of the, of the song can push it over the edge, make it great, make it sublime, make it touch people's hearts. You know, some of the best singer songwriters are not necessarily great singers, but they move you with their words and with their voice because they're speaking from a genuine place and need to communicate a place that is authentic. So that's one piece of advice I give to young people. The other is to know thyself. I mean, it's great. Uh, it's great advice that, that has been given by prophets through the centuries. But, you know, as an artist, you, 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 you have to explore who you are and find out what you want to say. And, uh, and find a great trust for yourself. And it's not always easy. We're humans. We lose our way. We, uh, we, uh, we go through doubt. But that's all normal. So, you know, exploring who you are and saying yes to adventure and figuring, figuring out how to, to, to live in the world is what we, you know, is part of what we bring to what we do in, in, on the stage. So, it's a magical, it's a magical career, what we do. And that's uh, not always logical and easily explained, which is why I think I don't yet know what acting is. And maybe I never will. I just, um, working at, uh, from my intuition and from my skill set. every time I step into a rehearsal. So how's that? <laughs> it was a nice full circle kind of answer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we, we come back to the beginning. Well, for anyone listening, if they want more information, they can visit paulalexandernolan.com. You just said a moment ago, know thyself. So my last question, who is Paul? <laughs> Paul. Yeah, good question. Sometimes I even say my own name and think, am I Paul? <laughs> you are definitely Paul. I am definitely Paul. You know, uh, that is not, I don't know if it's possible to answer that. You, you know, it, uh, if I'm giving you the qual, like is what I love in life. I mean, I like being out in nature more than 
probably anything, you know, the, the hiking and being in the outdoors and being kind of in that perfect meditation of, of the planet. But then there's this other half, Paul, who really loves telling stories and is looking for a perfect story, a perfect moment, the sublime moments in the theater. I'm a, you know, a huge contradiction. <laughs> the guy that wants to live in the woods but be on a Broadway stage or be on the on the big screen. So I'm a, I'm a ton of contradictions, but someone who's always going to be looking, looking and searching for how to live life the best way. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You take it easy. Yeah, really nice chatting with you. Thanks for reaching out. I'm very glad I did, and I'm glad you accepted. Well, once again, maybe in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When you, when you come back full circle to me. All right. That sounds good. All right, Paul. All right. Take it easy. Very good. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer. Written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour. <laughs>